Uh, Friday was my day off, and um, this past Friday I was in Item, where we still have a house, and I took my car to the car wash. The car wash has been there for a little while now. Um, the car wash um, is a hand car wash, and about probably up to a dozen people work there. Um, when you drive in, um, they flood your car, surround your car in groups of four and five, and wash your car. The people there have very little English. They only know a few words. And when I was sitting in my nice warm car on a very cold, frosty, early Friday morning, the people around the car were all speaking in a language that I didn't even recognise, let alone understand. I was sitting in my nice warm car with my six pounds ready to pay when they had finished, and a woman came up and started cleaning the window by the driver's side. She had bright red, raw, cold, wet hands. And I sat there and I thought that if the dice had been rolled in a different way, I could have been the one outside in the cold and wet with frozen hands. Yet I was the one sitting inside a car. Why am I telling you this? Well, planning for this talk was in my head and it struck me that these people, they might have been born in this country, although I'm speculating that they had not. They had travelled perhaps a huge different distance from where they were born. They were now living in a very different culture to the one that they knew. But for those few short minutes that my car was being washed, I felt a touch of culture, a clash. And quite often when there's a clash of culture is when God speaks to me. And he spoke to me of the place where I was, the place where they were not. And in some way, more compassion started within me. And it struck me that today we are talking about a journey. We are talking about people from a different culture coming to meet somebody in a culture that was not their own. And during this touch, their lives were changed forever. Today is Epiphany. Epiphany is a funny word, isn't it? It means a manifestation or appearance. And it's the date when we remember the visit of the wise men or magi to Jesus. It's a simple story. It's only found in Matthew's Gospel. But these magi had undertaken a very long journey, which culminated in them recognising who Jesus is. Now, the first commentary I read when preparing this said that it's a story that many academics have failed to see any historical relevance in. It's a story of a star, some travellers, a harsh ruler. It contains a dream. But then it got me thinking that actually this story has been understood and depicted many times by artists and poets. It's probably because of all the sparse details that the imagination is able to wander more freely. And it's the imagination that has played a part in some of the depictions in art. Doing the rounds on social media this year was this picture. I don't know if you can see it. 
Um, The text with it says, unbeknownst to most theologians, there was a fourth wise man who was turned away for bringing fruitcake. Um, And then I got a bit carried away. I started looking at other depictions in art. So I found this one that I quite liked. It's in the Uffizi Gallery in Florence in Italy. It was done by an Italian artist. And it's said to be his most impressive work. What I really liked was this one, though. This is by um, Peter Bruegel, the elder, and it depicts, um, well, a Flemish village, and you might be able to make out, but the Magi are visiting Mary, Joseph, and Jesus in the bottom left-hand corner, where the rest of life is still going on, not really paying attention to what is happening there. We actually don't know where the Magi came from. We don't know how long they had been travelling, We even don't know how many were in the group. Um, There's been a lot of speculation to say three, but actually three gifts were given. It was not three magi. But despite the slim details, it's a story that I think can help, that gives different responses. And I think today I'd like us to think about two particular responses, those of Herod and those of the magi. Herod, who had heard that the Magi were looking for, became troubled along with all Jerusalem. He'd heard they were looking for a king of the Jews. He was probably worried about his own security and status because there was a rival king out there to rival him. Remember, he was an illegitimate king. He'd been given his position by the Romans some years earlier. And then there's the Magi. They had travelled far, they'd gone to the wrong place initially, they were redirected and they persevered in their search to find the king. And when they found Jesus and they recognised who he was, they were overwhelmed with joy and worshipped him. We've now got a film um, with the text from Matthew's Gospel. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. 
And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So who were these wise men, these magi? Well, we don't really know. We sometimes sing over the Christmas and Epiphany period, we three kings of Orient are. Matthew calls them magi, not kings. Magi were a number of things, but they were definitely not kings. And nor probably should we think of them as wise men either. By the first century, the term magi referred to astronomers or stargazers. So we can think of musicians, magicians, not musicians, horoscope fanatics. We can think of those who tell the future by looking at stars or possibly tea leaves. So for an early reader of Matthew's Gospel, the magi aren't just Gentiles, And that is significant in itself, the first non-Jews to come that are recorded that visited Jesus. But they are stargazing, horoscope-writing magicians. And they are the heroes of this story. They actually shouldn't be there. They don't worship the right God. They're not from the right culture. They don't adhere to the right religion or belong to the right race. And yet they are there. These wise men, these magi, followed a star. Now there have been lots of explanations about this and lots of speculation. Could it have been a comet, a supernova? And actually there was one observed by the Chinese in 4 BC. Or could it have been a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter in the constellation Pisces? It's no thought that Jesus might have been born as early as 6 BC, so perhaps the 4 BC speculation of the supernova might fit. But actually, again, we don't know. However, whatever the light came from, it was something significant, and I think miraculously provided by God as part of this announcement of the birth of Jesus. So these magi arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? A king's position is very clear in the Hebrew scriptures. They were there to defend and protect the people, to defend the poor from persecution, to be responsible for the orphans, the foreigners, the widows. 
Now just remember, Herod was an illegitimate king. Who was Herod? Well, he was Herod the Great. He was not a Jew. In fact, his mother was from Arabia. The Romans had made him king in about 40 BC. He was a tyrant, a murderer, not a very nice man. But his achievements are what gave him the title The Great. He was responsible for building the temple, amongst other things. And we know at the news of the Magi's looking for the king of the Jews that Herod was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod, the king, was troubled by the fact some followers, some foreigners, had followed a star because they'd wanted to worship a baby, the king of the Jews. We can speculate that Herod was jealous, a proud man, power-hungry, worried about his own status, definitely. Yet, he didn't seem to act with much certainty to find out more about this himself. He got in touch with his chief priests and scribes, and they reminded him of the prophecy in Micah, which says, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will go forth a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Herod seemed to remain unmoved. He did not venture to Bethlehem himself. But actually, nor do we think, did any of his chief priests or scribes. Indeed, there's no account of anybody else from Jerusalem making the journey to Bethlehem, which is only about five miles south. It's not that far away. Yet the Magi did go when they were told about this prophecy. And I couldn't help thinking that how Herod sent them, it was almost that they were acting as, in his opinion, his agents or spies, doing his dirty work for him. Herod had asked them that when they did find the baby, to return and tell him. This is also a strange one because a couple of weeks ago we had the stories about the shepherds being told by angels about the birth of Jesus and going and finding him. And when they had met him, they left the scene praising God and telling everybody about what they had seen. So where is the gossip about this? Where are the stories? Why didn't more people try and find out what was happening now? Perhaps this sort of avoidance or not paying attention is something that's present in all of our lives today as well. Perhaps we too at times oppose the movement of God, the way God is trying to speak to us. We put things like our careers, our health, our work, our family, our friends before, I think, sometimes our relationship with God. Perhaps we're stubborn people, I know I can be, but perhaps we're waiting until we are sure, until we are certain, until we are right. Or perhaps we're worried, perhaps we like the security we're already living with and don't want to move away from that. Perhaps it's a combination of all those things, or for you it might be something a little different. And I don't know what it was for Herod, I can only speculate 
but he seems to be opposed to any movement of God. He had the knowledge imparted to him by priests, by scribes, but he didn't believe it or at least act on it in an appropriate, perhaps, way. But it's interesting, isn't it, that even despite his opposition and desire to control, the plans of God still came to pass. So what happened? Well, the Magi went to Bethlehem and found the house where the family were. They saw Jesus. They were overwhelmed with joy. They worshipped him. And they gave him extravagant gifts, the best they had. They gave him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. It was probably much later in our tradition that we've become to associate these gifts with kingship, priesthood and sacrificial death. The wise men recognised who they were visiting, God incarnate, the king of the Jews, The Gentiles, the astrologers, the ones who really should not get it, did just that. They recognised the significance of their journey to see Jesus and worshipped him with themselves and then offering the best they could to him. And then having worshipped, they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, but travel to their home via a different route. And that is just what they did. And perhaps it was their non-appearance back in Jerusalem that provoked Herod even more to act in the way he did. And we all perhaps remember the story that follows about the slaughter of the innocents. Perhaps the Magi not showing up was a powerful confirmation of what exactly they had found. So the Magi by a mysterious combination of God's loving grace and their faithful seeking, find Jesus and worship him. They are models of seeking Jesus, believing in Jesus, and, and worshipping with what they have. This is another silly cartoon that I found on social media, which um, you can perhaps laugh at. No playstations, but they took gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The story of the Magi shows us that God revealed the truth about Jesus to a bunch of stargazing Gentiles, while those who were clever and had enough knowledge to work it out for themselves missed out. Their story reminds us that God shows us his strength in our weakness, in our humility and also in our folly, and that everything comes from him and not from ourselves. So remember the wise men followed the star and found what they were looking for. Herod, who had access to the scriptures, went his own way. We too can make a choice as we once again draw close and recognise that God is indeed with us. For when we journey and seek God with all our hearts, we are promised that we will find him who we are looking for. We do find Jesus. We find a God who is so much greater and more generous than our meagre expectations and limiting thinking allows. 
So again, today, we have an opportunity to draw close and respond, rather than back away and go our own way. And you know, we don't need to hide or run away. We can come close, because we know we are welcomed and accepted and forgiven and infinitely loved by our Creator. And we can allow him, this God, to be at the centre of our lives. During some of my reading this week, I picked up this from um, John Sentamu. He said, we are sometimes too stubborn to notice God's call. We strut around trying to do it all our own way until the truth dawns for us once again. And we remember that we are surrounded by God's steadfast love and can rejoice. Last week, I understand, um, we prayed the covenant prayer together, um, which serves as a recommitment to God. A prayer where we offer ourselves completely to God's will. The Magi, although they continued to look at the heavens and read the future in the stars, followed the star sign to Bethlehem and recognised that they were in fact seeking and finding the incarnate God. We too, friends, have recognised him and we too can bow down and worship him. And so I'd like us to take a moment and in time pray this prayer again together today. Let us take a moment to be aware now, today, in this place of God's powerful presence with us. Perhaps we can stand and do, if you feel able, share again in the words of this prayer. We pray together, we are no longer our own, but yours. Put us to what you will, rank us with whom you will. Put us to doing, put us to suffering. Let us be employed for you, or laid aside for you. Exalted for you, or brought low for you. Let us be full, let us be empty. Let us have all things, let us have nothing. We freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are ours and we are yours, so be it. And the covenant which we have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Do please sit down again.